Hello, People's Church family. I just wanted to share with you from my heart for a moment. The last year has been a challenging season. It's been heartbreaking. It's been difficult. It's been painful on so many fronts. Even the last week has been very emotional with the trial of Derek Chauvin and all eyes of Americans watching this trial. I know the last year and even the last week, my emotions have been all over the place. And I wanted to take a moment as your pastor and just speak to your heart. You know, we live in a polarizing culture. Uh, we live in a divisive culture. And I want us to be Christians and to be Christ followers. And here's some things I think is so important for us to do. And the first is this, let's listen to one another. I think it's important that we lean in in moments like this and we actually listen to the perspective, to the pain, to the challenges of others. I think it's important that we carry each other's burdens. You may not have an idea of the person you're sitting next to or the person that is online with you watching right now, what they're carrying emotionally, the pain they may be feeling and sensing, and you could help carry somebody's burden. And I think it's very important that we honor Jesus Christ, that we remember that we are the church, that we are salt, that we are light. I think it's so critically important in moments like this that we remember that Jesus said, the world will know that we are his disciples because we love one another. And I think People's Church, you do such a beautiful job at this, but let's keep loving each other, listening to each other, carrying each other's burdens, leaning into each other's pain and perspective, and let's continue to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. We're showing the world that it's possible to be diversified and unified because of the power of the Holy Spirit. I love you, People's Church. Our best days of seeing lives changed and moving forward and bringing transformation to our cities, our nation, and our world is ahead of us. God is with us and he's leading us. Hey, today, Pastor Scotty Gibbons on our teaching team, executive team is preaching God's word. Next week, me and Tiffany are going to talk together about tension in relationships. Matter of fact, we're going to talk some about our tension that we have had over 23 years of marriage and there's been a lot of tension. Fireworks! And we're going to talk about it next week together. It's one of those weeks that you do not want to miss. Invite some people to be in church with you next week as we talked about how the Coopers got all mixed up in our relationship and how God has helped us. Hey, Pastor Scotty, a great man of God, one of my dearest friends, a powerful preacher of God's Word, is continuing our series today. Put your hands together and welcome Pastor Scotty. Hey, church family, so good to be with you. Can we put our hands together for our pastor, Pastor Herbert and Tiffany Cooper? We love them so much. We honor them today. And, uh, you know, I would say this. I'm just so thankful we get to be a part of such an amazing church. Do you feel the same way? I'm just thankful we get to be a part of it. And uh, just to watch Pastor Herbert lead, God's hand is on him. Uh, he leads with such wisdom. 
such insight. I, I, I would say it this way, and I don't, I don't mean this uh, just to sound like sensational or whatever. It's just sincere on my heart. I believe that God's raised Pastor Herbert up for such a time as this. And I believe that he's raised this church up for such a time as this. And God is using people's church in ways beyond what we even realize in our hurting world today. Can we just thank God one more time? Come on, put your hands together and praise God for our church. Hey, what's up to our, all of our campuses, those who are watching online, Northwest, Midwest City, our sisters out of Mabel Bassett, our Indianapolis crew, and those of you watching online, if you're watching online, I want you to go ahead and just click the share button right now so that this message can get out to a lot of different people, and then to have all these smiling faces here at the OKC campus, so good to see you as we continue this series here, week three, on Mixed Up. Ingredients for Healthy Relationships. I've been excited about this since we started planning it. Really, we, we mapped out the series earlier in the year, and, and I just was getting so excited about how I really just knew that God was going to use this time to build up our relationships. It doesn't matter if you're, you're a student and talking about friendships at school or if you're uh, in a dating relationship, an engagement, married relationship, if you're single or single again, whatever stage or season of life, we all are involved in a relational world. And how many of you be honest that from time to time your relationships get just a little bit mixed up? Come on, wave at me. Don't make me look like I'm the only one up here with some weird relationships from time to time. Our relationships can get mixed up, and so really what culture wants us to do is to follow the cookbook of this world, entertainment, you know, with uh, movies or music or romance novels or things like that. A lot of people get their education or their understanding of relationships through those sources, and then as a result, the relationships get all mixed up, and yet when you follow God's recipe for relationships, God wants you to have healthy, vibrant thriving relationships. All of our relationships can tend to be even stronger. So whether you find yourself today in a place of severe dysfunction in some important relationship in your life, or if you just find yourself in a, in a season right now to where you're like, you know what, it's not totally wheels off right now. It's not totally crazy. All of us could stand to use our relationships to be just a little bit stronger. Can you say amen to that? Well, today we're going to pick up with part three. If you missed either one of the first two, make sure you jump on the line, uh, jump online and check out week one or week two. We're in week three right now, and I want to talk to you today on this thought of removing the fences of offenses. Removing the fences of offenses is really a look at relational offense. And uh, how many of you would acknowledge that you have had some relationships that have offended you before? Go ahead, raise your hand right now. Just vote. Come on, if you're watching online, you can wave your hand too. You've had some relationships that have offended you at times. Maybe you've had uh, uh, something happen with your spouse, your husband or your wife, and it offended you. It bothered you. It, by sure. Of hands, how many of you have ever been offended by somebody else's driving? Come on, right now, just raise your hand if you're like, yes, somebody's driving offends me. And it's really bad if you're riding with them, but, it, but it's bad too if somebody's like driving around you and their driving is offensive, if you will. Can I just be vulnerable for just a moment? Can I just tell you, I'll be transparent, something that just really I have to work through. I have to pray through it. I need the help of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit when I'm driving and somebody gets all up on my bumper. See, some of you are judging me right now just because you're so spiritual. That doesn't bother you. It bothers me. It, it, it affects my blood pressure. I'm looking, 
I'm looking in the rearview mirror like, how, cl- how close you trying to, what, you going to climb over me? Like, what are you trying to do? I'm going the speed limit, and I'm thinking, what is the deal? But I'm just like, for real, it, like, it's, it's embarrassing how much it bothers me. Like, why are you doing that? Like, what are you trying to do? I'm going to take my transparency to another level. The other day it happened to me, and I was so tempted. I thought about doing it. I'm just being honest. I was so tempted just to slam on my brakes. Is that what you wanted? Is that what you wanted? Now we both got a problem. I didn't do it, y'all, but pray for me because I'm afraid one day in the right scenario, weak moment, I could give in. Sometimes I'm too easily offended. Somebody does something I don't appreciate. Somebody doesn't do something I feel like they should have done. Sometimes I get offended when someone says something I don't like. Some of y'all, if you're keeping it real, you know that you would say, it's not even so much what they said, but how they said it. And you're offended. You're like, my... They just said good morning to you, but she said it with an attitude. You know, it just bothers you, not just what they said, but how they said it. I've gotten offended before when I wasn't, I was fine, I was okay, but I found out that somebody else was bothered with me, and I got offended that they were offended. You ever done that one before? It's a vicious cycle. Some people don't even need a legitimate reason to be offended. They just create one. One guy sued his mom and dad because he turned out so ugly. Can you imagine that? Sued his mom and dad because he turned out so ugly. Like the subject of the lawsuit was quoted as being said, if this is the best that you can do, you should not have had children. That's just funny, y'all. I mean, that's just like, are you kidding me? We can laugh about it because sometimes, frankly, it is silly. But when it comes to following God's recipe for healthy relationships, we have to realize that living with relational offense can be very serious, very detrimental to our lives. This ingredient of offense is not something that you want in the mix of your relationships. And yet Jesus said, as long as we live on this earth, there's going to be offensive things that will happen. In other words, you can wish it away. You, you can try and hope it away. You can try and, and just pray that it never happens. But Jesus is the one who said, as long as you're in this world, there are going to be people who say things and do things that you do not like. There are going to be people who don't do things and don't say things you wish they would. Stuff's going to happen that does not feel great to you. It is going to be offensive. Here's how he said it in Luke chapter 17 and verse 1. Then he said to his disciples, it is impossible. Somebody say impossible. Come on, shout impossible. It is impossible that no offenses should come. It is impossible that no offenses should come. Proverbs chapter 18 and 19 give us a little bit of a follow-up to this, if you will, really some insight, I would say, as to why it's so important that we would be able to uh, keep in check any offenses that are inevitably coming our way. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 19 says, An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. 
In other words, it's one thing for an offense to come, but if we're not careful, we would allow those offenses to build fences in our relationships. If we're not careful, we won't understand there's a difference in experiencing an offense and actually taking that and doing something with it as you build a fence, now trying to protect yourself from getting hurt, trying to protect yourself from ever being in that situation again, and now we no longer trust. Now we no longer love the way we would have before, freely, generously. Now the, the, the filters have piled one on top of another, and, it's, and we're just more closed in. What happens is the enemy will love it because we begin to isolate ourselves from other people. Why? Because we have been offended, and it's like we build these walls. Now I want us to look at a story in Scripture, in Second uh, Samuel chapter 16 in particular. And it's really an interesting story because I kind of read this almost like an action movie. And it's, it's kind of an interesting one because as you read it, you feel like this story is going one way. Like I'm watching this movie and I know what's about to happen. And all of a sudden it takes this unexpected turn. I was like, I did not see that coming. That is not what I would have anticipated. And it's the story of when Absalom was trying to take over the kingship from his father, David. So he was trying to uh, just, just really, he was trying to kill his father so he could take over and become king. And so David and his close supporters were fleeing. He was running for his life. They fled the palace. They had fled Jerusalem. We catch up with the story in 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 5 and following. Are you ready for this? Say, I am. Come on, if you mean it, say, oh, yeah. Verse 5 says, as King David approached Baharim, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there. His name was Shimei, son of Gera, and he cursed as he came out. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones, though, check this out, though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left. Verse 7 says, as he cursed, Shimei said, get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a murderer. Then it says in verse 9, then Abishai. Somebody say Abishai. I just like his name, Abishai. I think I like his name because I know a little bit about this dude. And he is like the, the top of the top. He's the best of the best. Like he's, he's, a, he's a Navy's seal, uh, Navy seal. I mean, he, he, he's, just, he's, just a, he's just a bad man. And, and you'll see what I'm talking about when you read what Abishai says. So it says, then Abishai, son of Zariah, said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. I told you he was a bad man. Be careful, you name your son and your daughter Abishai, they'll come out just swinging. So it says in verse 10, but the king said, what does this have to do with you, sons of Zariah? If he is cursing because the Lord said to him, curse David, who can ask, why do you do this? It says in verse 13, skipping down to verse 13, so David and his men continued along the road while Shimei was going along the hillside opposite him, cursing as he went and throwing stones at him and showering him with dirt. Then the king, verse 14, the king and all the people with him arrived at their destination exhausted, and there he refreshed himself. 
So you have David and his closest supporters, it says his troops and, and his bodyguard. They are fleeing Jerusalem. And, and as they are going out, Shimei is, is throwing rocks at them, kicking dirt over on top of them. He's cursing David. And Abishai is like, hey, just say the word. Like this is not, just point at him. I will go and, and rip his head off. And yet David's response is one that gives us insight into how we should respond with offense. We're going to look at it and pull some thoughts out. I might just frame it up this way. Here are some key ingredients for dealing with offense. If you're taking notes, you can write these down, or if you're following along on the U version, you could just track with the notes there. But number one, first key ingredient of dealing with offense, number one, assume the best. Assume the best. Have you ever gotten offended and something happened? Maybe you were in, somebody said something or did something. Maybe it was your husband or your wife, and, and you got all upset. You got all worked up. You were huffing and you were puffing, and, and, and you, were, you were just telling them what for. Maybe, why did you do this, and why did you do that, and, and I can't believe this, and, and, and what, what made you think, and you do all that, and you get down to the end only to realize that you were the one that was wrong and it was a mistake. Come on, wave at me if you've ever had that happen before. And you just feel so silly. It's so embarrassing. And there are times that when we're offended, it's simply a misunderstanding. And our first step, our first reaction should just be to assume the best and not to assume the worst. Something I find interesting about David's scenario with Shimei is that as this guy is cursing David and throwing rocks at him, David doesn't say a word. It's Abishai. That breaks the silence on David's end. It's Abishai that speaks up. But while, while uh, Shimei is saying all this and he's doing all this, all David keeps doing is he just keeps marching. He just keeps moving. He just stays focused on his own journey and he goes about his own business. Look at it in verses 11 and 12. David responded, leave him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. Are you kidding me? I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I wish I could act more like David, but I feel like I got a whole lot more Abishai inside of me. Kicking dirt, throwing rocks. Abishai says, I'll take his head off. And David says, don't touch him, don't do anything. As a matter of fact, this is what David says. He goes, as a matter of fact, this might be a good thing. That's not how I act when somebody offends me. When somebody does something, when somebody says something and it hurts me, my first not, thought is not, this, this, this could be good. This could really be good. I don't assume the best. I say, where's Abishai? That's what I say. And yet when we assume the best, it allows us to see that God may be not just wanting us to focus on what's happening to us, but he may be wanting to work inside of us. It's always, somebody say always, it's always a good time to evaluate your heart. It's always a good time, but somebody did something, what about, it's always a good time for me to evaluate my own heart and say, God, are you doing something in me right now? It's always a good time to examine my own heart. 
but that's not typically where I start, and I typically am frustrated, and I'm, I'm usually like, where did that come from, and, and why did they do that, which is not humility, that's not uh, wisdom, and yet sometimes what I figure out later, maybe, hopefully, is that it had nothing to do with them, and it had everything to do with me. It's just the first ingredient, so don't freak out yet. We'll get to some more ingredients, but you got to start here. Uh, there are some people I just enjoy. Some people I like their personality. Some people are fun. And there's some people they just drive me crazy. Can you relate to that? Don't point at them if they're in the room. But do you have certain people, their laugh just bothers you. They didn't do anything wrong. It's just buggy. It's like, hey, man, that's, that's too loud. That's obnoxious. You know, you sound like, what? it just bothers you. You know, it just bothers you. You have anybody like that? Or you say it this way, some people just rub you wrong. You got anybody you just say, they just rub me wrong. And God's going, what is it? about them all they did was laugh and you're bothered all they did was tell a story and you're over here frustrated they just rubbed me wrong and what if God is going you know what I call them God's sandpaper what if he's saying it's not a matter of they rub you wrong what if I'm trying to use them to rub you right like, what if I'm trying to use something that somebody else did, not throwing dirt on me, throwing rocks at me, saying this about me? And God's like, hey, it's your heart. It's your heart. What if we start with assuming the best before we get all worked up, before getting offended, we just go, what if God is at work in me? Well, here's the second thing, because some of y'all, you're just like, he's not preaching to me. I hope this is helping somebody, but this is not for me. Here's the second thing. Because the reality is sometimes assume as we would best we can that maybe there's, there's something good here. We just look at it and we go, man, wrong is wrong. Like what they're doing is not right. Here's a second ingredient. You can refuse to receive the offense. Even if they meant it for wrong, you don't have to accept it. Shim, Shimei was throwing these rocks. That would hurt. He was cursing David. He was calling him a murderer. He was telling him to get out of town. But just because he was hurling rocks at David's body didn't mean that David had to let them hit his heart. Can I share something with you today that just might really set somebody free? That just may be a game changer for you if you can let this like get into your heart and mind you receive it? Is that just because someone is throwing an offense at you. Just because someone is doing something, saying something, the way they've acted, the way they've behaved, just because they are doing some type of offense towards you does not mean that you have to catch it and receive it and let it offend you. Let me say it this way. When someone cho chooses to do something or say something that is offensive to me, that is their problem. But when I choose to allow it to actually offend me and get inside of me, that now has become what? My problem. Offense is an action. Being offended is a decision. Offense is an action. Being offended is a decision. In other words, when somebody does something to you, says something about you, you can actually choose to take it. Or to leave it. Come on, say that when you can take it or you can leave it. Come on, say it again. You can take it or you can leave it. That is up to you. You and I can choose to refuse to be offended. 
I love the way this, this quote reads of Winston Churchill. He said, you will never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. You will never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. You just got to, like David, keep walking. Don't give that person the luxury of throwing their rocks to hurt you. Just keep moving. Don't stop and bark back. Just keep moving. Don't stoop to the level of the offense. Just keep marching towards your destiny. Keep moving towards the future that God has for you. You are going somewhere. And how many of you know, anyway, it's, it's, it's harder to hit a moving target. So you may as well just keep marching, right? There's a third ingredient, and it's this. It's that we should be quick to forgive. Suppose we assume the best, but we're like, man, there's nothing best, good, great, positive, anything about all of that. And you choose to refuse to be offended, but the truth is the wound is there. They have hurt you. What do you do? You're quick to forgive. When someone does something to offend you or hurt you, the best thing that you can do is as quickly as you can forgive them. Why? You're trying to guard your spirit. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says that we are to be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly. Somebody say quickly. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. That's what David seems to have chosen to do. When Absalom, his son who was chasing him or wanted him dead, when Absalom himself was now dead and no longer a threat, David returned to Jerusalem and he resumed his place as king. And now all of a sudden it's kind of interesting because uh, guess who shows up to talk to David? His old boy Shimei has had a change of heart. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 19, verses 18 and following, when Shimei, son of Gera, crossed the Jordan, he fell prostrate before the king and said to him, May my Lord not hold me guilty. Do not remember how your servant did wrong on the day my Lord the king left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind, for I, your servant, know that I have sinned. But today I have come here as the first from the tribes of Joseph to come down and meet my Lord the king. Then it says in verse 21, Then Abishai. Okay, here it comes. Here he is, here it comes. Then Abishai, son of Zariah, said, Shouldn't Shimei be put to death for this? He cursed the Lord's anointed. David replied, What does this have to do with you? He just keeps having to say that. To Abishai, who asked you? He keeps having to say it over and over. What right do you have to interfere? Should anyone be put to death today in Israel? Don't I know that I'm the king over Israel? So the king said to Shimei, You shall not die. And the king promised him on oath. Man, it took a lot of nerve for Shimei to come walking up in that place. It took a lot of nerve for him to come back and be like, hey, the whole part about wanting you dead and cursing you and talking about your mama and all that kind of stuff, man, my bad. You know what I mean? He is ready to make things right now. And I just feel like a lot more like, Scotty Abishai than I do Scotty David at that point. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay, okay. So now you, oh, it's all good now though? Okay. Abishai is just like, man, I should have killed you when I had a chance. 
Man, I've been regretting that. Says, but now that you're back, the Lord has provided. Come on over here. Abishai is ready to take his head off. But what took even more nerve, in my opinion, is when David looks at him and says, nobody's going to die today. Because David's going, I forgave you a long time ago. Remember when you were kicking the dirt and throwing the rocks? I never let it get in me. I just kept marching. Didn't mean that it didn't hurt. Doesn't mean that it won't hurt you or me. But if we're going to have healthy relationships, we cannot afford to leave out the ingredient of forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, it says, Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Try always to be led along together by the Holy Spirit and so be at peace with one another. You know, back to my story about people riding on the bumper. I've tried to shift the way I, 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 keyword, try. I try to shift the way I process the moment. So now what I try and pretend is that whoever that is is somebody from people's church. And I try to pretend in my mind that they're on the dream team. And they are so fired up about getting to the house of God so that they can serve. They're about to run over a pastor to get there. And I'm just going, oh, they fired up. All right, oh, we go and follow me. I just try. And you're like, do you really think that? No, but it makes me feel better. <laughs> what I've got to do whenever I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the best or I'm refusing to accept the offense or I'm, I'm being quick to forgive is I'm going, I'm not going to allow somebody else's actions to affect my own peace. I'm in control of this. I've got a say in this. Their offense is an action, but me being offended is a decision. And so I get it that the pain is real. I'm not saying that it's not real. Sometimes it's silly. Sometimes even in the, the biggest of blow-ups and fights of relationships or friendships or, or, or marriages, sometimes it can be traced back to just some simple things, some minor things that weren't dealt with. But sometimes it's big stuff. The betrayal was real. The abuse, it happened. They stole from you. They tried to destroy your character. They said all kinds of lies about you. Physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. It's real. God's Word never says, pretend like it wasn't real. Never says that it's wrong when you hurt. But He's giving us the key to set us free from living in the prison of pain that is now dependent on the offender to do something different before I can experience healing and hope in my own life. 
Scripture is saying, don't allow what somebody did to you yesterday to be causing you pain today and to rob you from your health of tomorrow. You get to choose. You can refuse the offense, and if something has happened and impacted you, the key to getting out is being as quick to forgive as you possibly can. Sometimes, through the work of the Holy Spirit, that even means talking to a pastor or talking to a counselor and getting help so that you can overcome it. But the worst thing that you can do is to nurse it or to rehearse it or to feed it and to fuel it, to empower that pain, giving it more and more and more control, you need to say that pain is done in Jesus' name. You no longer have control over me. I'm releasing it and turning it over to the Lord. Some will say, but they don't deserve it. They don't deserve that. But we're not talking about them. We're talking about my own heart, your own heart. If we're wounded and we have these, we're wrapped in pain, we, we're wrapped in these chains, I'm not going to sit there and wait for somebody else to come back and say, I'm sorry, or to pay me back before I can be free. Think about that. They never said they were sorry. So I'm going to stay bound? They never made it right. So I'm going to stay in jail and in bondage? No, forgiveness is not about whether or not they deserved it. Forgiveness is all about I'm no longer letting them control me. And there are some people who are still waiting for an apology from someone who's not even alive anymore. But they're carrying pain today because they never got there. I'm sorry. You can't do that. You can't do that. God's saying you should not do that. It's affecting you today. It's going to affect your relationships of today. You've got to be quick to forgive. And that's so hard, and I admit that it's difficult for me, but it's not the last of the ingredients. I want to give you a couple more before we close. Here's the fourth one, is that you've got to allow God to defend you. Because, man, for me, sometimes if I just think about it, if somebody says something or done something to hurt me or to hurt my family, I feel like the world's, the culture's cookbook is saying when somebody hurts you, you hurt them back. When somebody does something that you don't like, return the favor. You know, especially if you have it in your ability, you feel like, I can take care of this. Our human nature is, so I will. Instead of allowing God to defend you. But what I take hope in and and rest in is the fact that he can defend me better than me. If there was an action movie made to this little story and David surrounded by these Navy SEALs, they'd never let this knucklehead Shimei do what he did because I'm just waiting in the movie for them to be like, you're dead, you know, it's just over. But it doesn't happen like that. He forgives him and allows God to defend him and yet the story doesn't end there after David dies his son Solomon takes over as the king and when you come to the story in first Kings chapter 2 you see that Shimei didn't get away with it after all first Kings chapter 2 verses 44 through 46 the king also said to Shimei you know in your heart all the wrong you did to my father David now the Lord will repay you for your wrongdoing but King Solomon will be blessed and David's throne will remain secure before the Lord forever. Then the king gave the order to Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, and he went out and struck Shimei down, and he died. God defended David. 
God made it right. David was able to end his life on a note of mercy. Isn't that how we want to live in peace? He ended his life on a note of forgiveness, which was a big deal for David because David had had a few missteps in his own journey. And although David did not take revenge, the Lord took care of the business. It's hard to not take revenge when we've been hurt. It's difficult to turn the other cheek. It actually takes a ton of spiritual maturity to trust God, to trust His Word, and allow God to do it when you so want to do it yourself. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 and following says, though, that if we're going to have a recipe for relational health, we've got to trust God in His way. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone, if it is possible, if it is possible, if... It is possible because it's not always possible. But if it is possible, here's the key. As far as it depends on you, that's always possible. To the degree that it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. He's not saying, say that it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean that the person was innocent. It doesn't mean you're just trying to sweep it under the rug. It just means that you can resist the urge to respond with revenge. You can trust the Lord to defend you. And if you do that, here's the last ingredient. Here's what happens. You will, number five, position yourself for a blessing. Remember what David said in 2 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 12? It says, it just may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. Wow! That's so crazy! Lord, help me to be more like that and less like Abishai. Help me to be uh, more quick just to forgive and to trust in you to defend. Help me to be more like that. It's such a powerful perspective. It's such an example of humility. What is humility? Depending on God, putting God in front of your life, surrounding yourself with him instead of it all being about me and self-sufficient and pride and arrogance. Instead, it's dependence on the Lord. And in reality, most cases, it's our pride that makes it most difficult to overlook offenses. It's our pride. But when you walk in humility, what's the Bible say? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace or lifts up the humble. He's saying, when you walk in humility, instead of revenge, or instead of like, like being selfish, or I'm going to fix this, I'm going to take control, of it, I'm going to trust God instead. He said, when that's, that's humility right there. When you do that, listen to what it says in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 11. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. There's a wisdom there. There's a humility there. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. What is this saying? It's not about the other person. 
God will take care of them. Quit praying, you know, like, I just wish you'd understand how great I am. Oh, I just wish that he was more like this. Why don't you pray blessings on them and God work in my heart. But I pray that you would help. Don't let those offenses become fences. But in humility, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Listen, it is to your benefit. It is for your personal win. It is for your own victory when you overlook an offense. And God says, you position yourself for this blessing and be ready to experience my favor. Be ready to experience a blessing that could only come from heaven. When you trust me, when you trust in my word, when you don't take revenge, when you trust in me in humility and walk in wisdom, he says, I'm going to bless you because you're not preoccupied with revenge. Like David, we can look at the situation and say, maybe, just maybe God's going to bless my response, I didn't do anything to ask for this. I didn't even do anything perhaps to deserve it. If I did, then God's showing me and I'm growing. But sometimes I look at it and you look at it and you say, we didn't do anything to deserve that. But he still has a promise for you. The answer's still the same. If you choose to put your eyes on God instead of on the offender or on the offense, he says you are positioning yourself for a blessing rather than allowing the past issue to bring present pain he says posture yourself for a future blessing who wants to experience the blessing of God in your life in your marriage with your kids at your work don't allow the enemy to use offenses to build fences we're going to pray and today I know that some of you you need you need a healing in your heart because the pain is real and you honestly, you need, you, as you're hearing this even, you're thinking that sounds so easy. But forgiving someone who did what they did, that's not easy. And I would tell you today, not only that I get what you're saying, God understands. And he never asks you to do his word, to follow his plan without the strength and the help of the power of the Holy Spirit. He will give you the ability to forgive as you step out and do His Word. You trust His Word. And it starts with me realizing, God, you have forgiven me much. I recognize that. I pray that you would help me not only to experience forgiveness, but to walk in forgiveness. And to get out of this prison of pain and this bitterness that comes with unforgiveness. Lord, I'm asking for your healing. God's able to heal you today. It's not even presumptuous to think that right here before you leave today that the God of heaven could meet you right where you are today and deliver you and set you free. God wants to bring healing to you. He wants to bring hope to you. God wants to, for those of you that your marriage relationship is shaky, He wants to fortify it. He wants to strengthen it. For those of you that have some maybe estranged relationship with a son or a daughter, God is the miracle working God who can make a way where there is no way. God can bring healing today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray over you. And if you just say, Scotty, I have something going on in my life and I need the help of God. I need the healing of God. I need God to heal my heart. I need God to heal a 
relationship. I need God to help me overcome offense. If that's you, come on, without hesitation, would you just slip your hand up? Come on, raise it up. Raise it up. Hands going up in every single section. Just keep your hand up. Lord, I pray for the healing power of Jesus Christ to flow in this place right now. Come on, would you receive it just as we pray? God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move on hearts and deliver. Lord, set people free from bondage in Jesus' mighty name. I pray, Lord, that those chains would fall off. I pray that the doors would be kicked wide open. I pray that you would deliver them. Lord, I pray that you would bring a healing that no medicine could bring, no doctor could bring. I pray, Lord, that you would just breathe life. Lord, that you would breathe health, that you would breathe wholeness. Lord, that they would experience freedom that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And I thank you for it, Lord. You can put your hands down, head still bowed and eyes closed. I wonder by an uplifted hand, how many of you for this second prayer, you'd say, Scotty, I'm not right with God. I can't even forgive other people right now. I can't think because in my own relationship with God, I need his forgiveness. I can't leave today without giving you this chance to have your own heart washed and cleansed, made new fresh start today for you a brand new beginning if you would just say I recognize that I'm away from God I recognize that I've broken his commands I recognize I have not been following Jesus today is the day that your whole life can be changed from the inside out hear me today for those of you that watch your own line or you're here with us live, God can speak to you right where you are. He can pull you out of that place of, of death and of bondage to sin, and he can give you a new life in Jesus Christ if you would just say, God, have mercy on me. I believe in you, and I surrender my life to you. So I'm going to pray, and if you say, Scotty, that's right where I am. It's right what I need. Include me in that final prayer. If that's you, then when I count to three, you shoot your hand up, and just by an uplifted hand, you're saying you want to commit or recommit your life to Christ. One, two, three. Come on, hands all over the room. Just raise it up. Thank you. Thank you. After you raise it up, you can put it down. Anybody else, raise it up. Thank you. You can put it down. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Anybody else before we pray? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else before we pray, you want to commit or recommit your life to Christ? Wonderful. Let's all pray this prayer together. Dear God, thank you for your grace. Today, I surrender to you. I pray that you would forgive me of my sin and be Lord of my life. From this moment forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's praise the Lord together today.